Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. You have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Oh, man, that just preaches by itself. <laughs> for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is a hinge on which history turns. All rests upon this, that while you were dead in your sins, even Jesus came and died for us. It was by grace. We have to think of our actions that we're doing in, in the midst of sin. The problem with sin in the world is that its logical end is death. That's what happens. If you multiply sin among all the people that are in the world, then that sin will go and needs to gobble up, gobble up. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That means sin's natural conclusion is death. All things being stripped away from us, taken away from us, always Subtraction, always subtraction, as sexy and important as it may feel, it is always subtraction. That while we are in our sins, Jesus died for us. That in our turning to him, he offers us life. And that life is way more abundant than what we get. But in the beginning, we're, we're struggling in the midst of this sin. And I think sometimes the enemy comes in, whether it's by us attempting deconstruction or us attempting to find a different kind of form of faith that would suit us that's different than the gospel. What happens is the enemy comes in and has us remember the past more lovingly than it was. Anybody nostalgic in here? So you go, ooh, I remember those old days. Yeah, it was nice. That's when I really sound old when I say that. Like, I remember when eggs were like $2. You know what I, mean? I remember when there was no inflation. Like, we think lovingly of the past, and we start to look at it, look at it like it was fun. We go, you know, that sin wasn't so bad. It was pretty fun. I mean, I don't have any expectations of my life. It's, it's not this obedience that's required of me, especially in the environment where I don't feel or understand God's love, then I think I am serving a taskmaster. Very often, our picture of our heavenly father looks like our earthly father. All the things that our dad did is obviously what God is doing. You know, my dad was pretty passive-aggressive, so I think God is. Whenever I came home, whenever he came home, everybody scattered to the hills because he was going to be so angry and agitated. Obviously, that's, 
That's what God is. But we learn that he has given us life and life more abundantly. That we didn't receive what we were supposed to receive. That like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. This is freaking amazing. (laughs) I know it's in the Bible, and I know it's scripture that we carry around with us and things that we sometimes remember. How do I remember this during the day? But while I was dead, I was made alive in Christ and forced to sit with Christ in heavenly places and believe and understand all that he had done for me. This is the most amazing, creative, wonderful miracle that mankind has ever experienced. That I, when I was dead in sin, when I was looking at sin like it was all fun and games, when I thought coming home drunk, you know what I'm saying, passing out and sleeping till noon, that was that awesome life that in deconstruction I think I should go back to maybe, you know what I'm saying? It's the life that I think of and it, it's, it maybe has some value for me, but I forget how dead I was. I can forget me crying myself to sleep at night because of how unhappy I was. Because I was dead in sin, wasting away with no real life. As amazing as the world wants to make sin seem, it is death. And I believe even death can be exciting. I mean, people love horror movies. And love watching documentaries about serial killers, right? That's literally about death. But it can be exciting, you know what I mean? I don't want to shame anybody. It can be exciting, but crazy that we don't receive what we deserve, death, because of an advocate who advocates for us so we don't get what we deserve, which is death, being dead in sin. I don't worry about sinning because of how lovely and wonderful he is. And remembering this, that while I was dead, he saved me. Even so much so does his grace exist in my heart. And for me, I told this story this week when I went to the bridge. I was in Atlanta. I was a young man. I was very militant. You know what I'm saying? I hated the police, right? Um... And so I went to wait for my friend in the police station. And uh, while I was waiting in there, the cop was like, you got to leave. You got to go wait outside. I'm like, dude, come on, man. You, why are you being like this to me? Uh, so I paid my money to go really inside the station and wait for him. I was just waiting for him to come. And he said, nah, man, you got to go. You got to get out. So, you know, me being this young man, I gave him uh, a little piece of my mind on the way out. It's <laughs> like, so sure, I'll leave you effing pig. You, I mean, like, I went off. It was bad. I went off. So I, and then I went outside to wait. So I'm waiting outside, and he comes up, and he puts me in handcuffs. And he's like, come on down. I'm gonna, he wrote me a ticket, and I had to go to see a judge in Atlanta. So imagine me, but like 18, 19, I didn't comb my hair at all, and it grew much faster than it does now. Now, I'm not balding, but <laughs> my hair grows slow. <laughs> 
really, I could grow like three months. It would be that, that long. Uh, just really didn't really care. Was working at various places, deep in sin. I was, you know, smoking weed, doing all these things. And so I go in front of this judge. Before I go in front of the judge, the prosecutors are talking to me. They're like, look, man, if you go before the judge without a defender, you could get a lot more time. You, you need to just plead um, guilty and take whatever you can, and we can represent you. I'm like, nah, I'll represent myself. I don't know where this came from. I'm like, I'm going to represent myself in front of this judge. So I go in front of the judge. I go, I plead guilty. At the time, I was sort of in school at Morehouse College. And apparently, this judge had gone to Morehouse College like 60 years ago. So he, everything that the prosecutors wanted to do, give me time in jail because of this public disturbance, he removed and let me pay a $60 fine. And they're like, you can't go and get the money. You got to have it here with you already. He was like, I'll allow him to go. So I just went to the ATM, got the money, came back and paid it. That's what it's like having an advocate. That's what it's like someone showing you favor that is unmerited simply because you're in the same place at the same time. Jesus is so wonderful. I love to look at this picture from every now and again because it reminds me of these beautiful flowers that sit on lily pads, but they start in this muck and mire in these ponds, and they rise up clean and beautiful, not remembering where they started from. This is what the kind of death that we deserved being in sin. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Uh, Hidden with Christ in God. That while man was in the garden hiding from God, Where are you, Adam? Now we are hidden with Christ in God. So he doesn't impute my sins against me when I receive him in my heart. I am seated with him. So God looks at me and he sees Jesus. He doesn't see exactly what I deserve. Set your heart on things above. Set means to fence in, to block or put to silence. Put to silence all those things that are not focusing us on what he's done for me. The bombardment can be real. Worse than a World War II bombardment. And what I'm talking about is those words, those lies, the things that the enemy says you are or who you will become because of what you have. You know what your mom did. You know what your dad did. You know they got divorced really easily. You know how are you going to expect to have a long marriage? You know people struggle with addiction in your family. You know, to set our minds and our hearts on God, that we are saved by him, it is by his grace. It's amazing to be saved by the most lavish action that has ever happened.
And also, um, this week when I went to the bridge, it was a bridge is a transition ministry for those who are coming from jail or prison and starting to enter into society. They just love on people and feed them and help give them opportunities. And I speak there. I've been speaking there once a month for the last few months. And so I came this time and preached on us on Tuesday, us being saved by grace and also about us being hidden in Christ. And I felt to give a call for salvation. About 25 people gave their life to Jesus there. That was sick. Come on, let's give it up for that. Yeah. Yeah. This is my goal in life is to help any believers who have never led somebody to the Lord, which is the mo- one of the most glorious things you can do, lead somebody to the Lord. But afterward, a guy came up to me. He was like, can you say what you said again? I was like, I don't remember what I said. It was 10 minutes. But he was like, about being hidden in Christ, that Christ, that God doesn't see me, he sees Christ. I'm like, yes. It's like Christ is superimposed over you. So all these things, when, when those disciples are asking, can we be seated at your right hand? And Jesus is like, you can't drink the cup that I'm drinking from. Little did they know they would be seated in him, as him. So beautiful. In Romans 5, 6, and 8, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he threw himself across the abyss while we were still in sin. How long it takes us to trust someone. How long it takes us to extend our hand of grace to someone until we know they are a good person and they won't, you know, F us over. But God, while we were still in sin, give us this gift of grace, this unmerited favor that all we had to do is receive. I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for grace in a life that we live because it's easy to just say grace. Oh, you know, it's God's grace. What does that mean? It means favor that I don't deserve. How does it translate to our lives. You know what grace is like? Grace is like always being the one to ask somebody to hang out. And they never ask you back. That's what grace is. And grace is always going first. It is not being afraid of putting yourself out there knowing that that love or that friendship or that appreciation may never be reciprocated in the same way. It is going first. Why? It says in Revelations that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth. He was slain before anything ever happened. Grace that goes before. While we were still in sin. Dead in our transgressions. Then Christ died for us. Always going first. First with the invitation. First inviting someone, which is so vital in this world, right? Because we don't want to put ourselves out there anymore. We don't know if it's going to be reciprocated the the right way. 
how do I know if I'm the one that should reach out to somebody? If you're the one thinking about it, then you're the one who should reach out. Period. That's how it goes. Reconciliation is not about some like magical time happening and we both all come together and we say, oh, this estranged relationship is now healed. No, it is being a bulldog with relationships. I think we're going to get to heaven and be like, what in the heck were we doing? Like letting all these relationships languish when we were saved by grace before. God went before. He went First, he invited us, and that invite is still sitting in people's mailbox. And we go, I, I, I shouldn't, I don't know. I, I, I'm telling you, you won't regret putting yourself out there, but you will regret dying and not having done that and not having reached out to people. It's one of people's number one regrets on their deathbeds that they didn't reach out to that one person, whoever it was. Because I am saved by grace. I don't belong to myself. My life belongs to another. Who cares about shame? Who cares about guilt? Who cares about all the things that I have to lay down to pursue another in this world? Taking it from these abstract concepts really to where we lived. That's saved by grace. And in that way, I begin to understand an iota of the intensity of the Lord. Just a bit of how much he loves people and pursues them into the end of the earth. Oh, they left me on read, huh? Okay, all right, I see you, man. All right, you're just going to leave me on that. All right, it's all right. <laughs> no, it's all right, basically, it's cool. <laughs> it's knowing that that is the, this is the, intensity that God has always pursuing us. But there's a place where we have to understand our identity to do that. Because we know if somebody doesn't answer right away, we start going, okay, what did they hate me? Uh, what did I do? I did, uh, man, I messed up something. I said something wrong. Just, you got to be solid in your identity to put yourself out there. This is why we're starting with us being seated in Christ. We're saved by grace, seated in him, and this is the place from which we reach others and love others. Because there's plenty of space for the enemy to speak who we are not. Saved by God, therefore, we are, we belong to him. I've told this story constantly about me almost drowning in the Atlantic Ocean in 2011. And I was swimming and I ran, ran into a rip current. And that mug pulled me out into the ocean. And like any person who's panicking, <laughs> I'm going to try to swim directly for the shore, which is not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to swim alongside the, the coast or the shore, and then you can get out of it and get back to it. But I'm do, And I'm, tired in my, I'm tiring myself out, and I'm like, oh, oh, man, this is how people drown. You just, and the Holy Spirit had to speak to me and say, help. No lifeguards on the beach. <laughs> somebody, I said, help. Somebody swam over and pushed me out of it, and everyone was like, don't go over there anymore. <laughs> that is the kind of life. That's what Jesus did for me. He saved me from drowning. Why is my life 
now negotiable with him. Eh, you know, God, I feel like you're calling me to do this thing. This thing is on my heart. It's something I, eh, well, let's negotiate with it. I'll put it off for another couple years. I'm good with that, God. I negotiate with somebody who saved my life. And tell him what he doesn't deserve or what I can't give right now or why I'm busy right now or whatever. And this is not me trying to guilt somebody as a stand-in for the church. I'm talking about the things that Jesus has told you, impressions that he has put on your heart. And we go, I can't really go hard right now, God. You know what I'm saying? I can't be too serious. I know I should ask this coworker if it's all right if I pray for them. They're in tears. Their life is in shambles. But, you know, I, my life doesn't belong to me anymore. It, it's not a negotiation anymore. I have been saved by grace. Therefore, I belong to him. And lastly, raised, seated with Christ. I don't know if I ever showed you guys this picture, but this is me being raised. You wonder why I have a lot of kids? Because I was raised around a lot of kids. <laughs> I wonder if you could tell which one is me. Right in the middle, that's my dad and the rest of my six siblings, seven of us, yes. Seven kids. I think this was taken on a road trip going to Oklahoma and um, visiting a friend there. But um, this is the family that raised me in this life. Um, but I was raised from death by Jesus. Lifted from this place of sin and death. And all the things we have to struggle through that we are taught in our families that may not be correct and we got to figure stuff out, that that's what his grace is there for. And that's why it's good to have Christ superimposed over myself. Because I can look lovingly back at all the things that I've done and go, man, I was dead. Woo! Dead is dead. Dead in my transgressions. But Christ still died for me. Jesus, when he's getting smacked around by various powers in the temple, this passage is in Mark 14 and 62. And they're asking him, are you the son of God? Really, Jesus, are you? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him and struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. Jesus condemned worthy of death. And what has become blasphemy has become a miraculous reality for us. When Jesus says, yeah, you're going to see me seated at the right hand of the Father and coming on the clouds of heaven. And they go, this is blasphemy. But in Christ, we were made to find rest, 
seated in him. Where death cannot find you, despair cannot stick to you, guilt has no purchase, and fear has no hold over you. Death cannot find you. Sin cannot hold you when you are seated. Despair cannot stick to you. Guilt has no purchase. Fear has no hold over you because you're seated in Jesus. And if none of this can stick to him, then it can't stick to you. You guys want to stand up? This world is chaos. Chaos. Wonder how we as humans survive seated on the precarious edge of chaos at all times. We survive and we thrive in Him, in Christ. Seated with Him. This is a picture from Jackson, Mississippi. Um, these college students are sitting at a counter at Woolworths, a sit-in. This was two weeks before Medgar Evers was assassinated in Mississippi, and they just sat there for hours while what they described is the roar of the crowd behind them, and people poured sugar and ketchup and mustard all over them because as students they sat down with a black person. I know this is not Black History Month, so you're not supposed to show this kind of stuff yet. But, <laughs> seated in Christ, sitting down, resting, believing in what's in your heart, may put you outside of society, but ultimately will put you on the right side of history. Put your hand on your heart. Father, I just thank you today that we are saved by grace. That while we were dead in our transgressions, we were saved by your grace, and now we have been raised and seated at the right hand of the Father. We bless your holy name today, even God, and ask for you to continue to embolden our community, continue to show us how to love boldly and love others in our community. And I thank you for that, Father.